Amen. Corinne and I were uh, missionaries. That is so good. And as missionaries, I, I think we still are missionaries. I believe that God really has called us as, as um, missionaries and in many, many regards. Um, and I tell you what, it's very different living as a missionary <laughs> versus living off a salary. Because it's so easy to, to depend and to look at your salary as your source. But when you're a missionary and you're just depending on, 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 on you know, time and time and time again, um, I've got to remind myself, man, we are looking to God as our source. And it, it, it is so much fun. You know, you know, like this year, praise the Lord, we had to pay in money for taxes. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Nobody's saying hallelujah with me. I was like, it's like, I had to pay a whole bunch of thousands of dollars in. Hallelujah. And I was like, you know, but, but I tell you what, my heart is growing in that area. I'm, I'm, because I was like, I'm going to have the money for this. And so, you know, deadline is this Wednesday in case you don't know and you haven't paid your taxes. But, uh, <laughs> so, so we had to pay in taxes. And I was like, man, I'm inspired. That this is, we're going to take care of this. And, and, uh, and, and fortunately, we've got a little wiser. We don't spend the whole dollar anymore. You know, when you're little and you're not that wise in the Lord, sometimes, remember, and no condemnation if you're one of those people that spend the whole dollar. You know what I mean by spend the whole dollar? If you get 50 bucks, you spend 50 bucks. And you've got nothing left. You've got nothing. So that's not a smart way to live, but it takes sometimes some growing way, you know, to grow into learning how to do some of those. So we do put some money aside, and Dave Ramsey's got great courses and learning to have an emergency fund and, and you know, th those kind of things. And um, so, so staying, what's that? Yeah, staying out of debt. It's a, it's a powerful tool. Otherwise, you just pay interest and all those, those wise things that, hey, it's not a Dave Ramsey invention. God actually talks about it in Proverbs. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, um, but you know what? It actually takes us doing stuff and putting it into practice. And so, um, but I was, I know that, that as, we, as we were getting ready for giving, um, Corin and I, just for this week, um, you know, I just felt inspired. I, praise God, I've had to pay in taxes. I'm ready to give more this week. You know, and, and it comes up, like you said, listen to those things inside your heart as the Lord touches your heart. So, what's that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, before I do those photos, I want to do just two things that were on my heart. Um, that song stirred something up in me, um, and I got this word from, um, from someone who said that, um, and they sent me a text and they, um, um, earlier this morning and said that this word was, was on their heart, and I just gelled with it. Um, and in Ezekiel 37, you know that that's the story of the dry bones, and and, and the Lord speaks to Ezekiel and he says, Son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Now, if God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know. <laughs> he asks you, can these bones live? And, and, and he says, oh Lord God, you know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones. And as you know, he prophesies and he speaks over these bones and these bones start coming together and sinews and tendons and muscles and skin and eventually they stand up and, and so on. He prophesies. But, but the word of the Lord is, it's enough to do what he tells you to do. If he says prophesy over dead bones, prophesy over dead bones. And that's what, that's what the power in our words, and we've spoken about prayer and the power of binding and loosing. Just because something is dead or looks dead to you or is dead by Waterman Hospital's estimation, it doesn't mean that's going to be dead and stay dead. Amen? God does inspire. And there's lots of things that can be dead. Relationships can be dead. Finances can be dead. Dreams can be dead. Amen? So... When God says speak, prophesy, or do, He has your interest in mind. He loves you. He has your interest in mind. Amen. Um, uh, the other word uh, that, that came to me was um, on Wednesday. I mentioned this to a couple of you, but this dropped in my heart. Um, and it, that last song that, we, that Bethel was singing there was just, you know, was a powerful truth. In John 5, on John 5, verse 19, Jesus says to them, he says, truly, truly, and you know that the phrase, he's like, for reals, guys, you know, however you want to put it, I, I don't know what you say. This is genuine, for reals, guys, listen up, pay attention. When he says, truly, truly, 
different versions say it differently. It's like he's about to say something profound, right? He's like, listen, guys, I'm about to tell you something. So he says, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. And, and, and you know, I've taught on this, that Jesus um, epitomized, I mean, he was the manifest God. He came to show mankind, you know, from Colossians 1 and Hebrews chapter 1, he is the exact representation of God. We knew that if we see God, if we see Jesus, if we see him acting, we see God the Father. Now, I've taught about that. But this scripture on Wednesday popped into my, my mind, into my heart, and I was like, I saw this in a whole new light. Ding. <laughs> because it's, it, you know, it just blew me away. It wasn't so much Jesus was doing what he saw his father doing, but what he just preceded with that statement. He said, truly, truly, the son, listen to this, the son can do nothing of his own accord. Think about that. Jesus of Nazareth, been smoked this week, right? <laughs> Proverbially, not really. No, no weird pipes, please. I'm just saying, God, Jesus can do nothing. That, that, is, that is profound. Jesus himself could do nothing of his own accord. And we studied this in Overflow when we've looked at Jesus and his dependence on the Holy Spirit in detail. But it's a powerful truth that Jesus had learned to see and to hear and to do. He was connected. He, he learned to see what the Father was doing, hear what the Father was saying, and that's what he did. I think that was profound. Anyhow, it's, just remember, just because you think it's something, and, and it's not necessarily so. There's a big difference between, oh, well, I thought... Or I think versus I know, I see, and I'm going to do that. Amen. Amen. So um, those, those, just, just bear those, those words in mind because I really do believe they've got power um, for us today. Um, I wanted to give you a quick report back before I get into my message this morning. Um, this week, we did our law enforcement officers um, um, appreciation and outreach. And as you know, we, this was the Lord laid on our hearts. And just thank you so much for all of you who contributed towards us. We were, take, we were able to take over $1,000, over $1,000, and we were able just to go, and, and we picked out the local law enforcement agencies that we're around, so Tavares, the uh, police department, Mount Dora police department, um, and Eustace police department, and the sheriff's department, and we were able to get, we, we partnered with Firehouse Subs in Tavares. They jumped in on the, on the bandwagon with us. And, and a bunch of you came to come and help here on Thursday. And we packaged these specially printed cards. And um, so, so that we, we had stickers made. We got these envelopes made out. And we went and, we, we went and gave them to the, many of you signed the card that we had there for a couple of weeks. Card of appreciation. The sheriff of Lake County said this, was, this would be a great way to just commit, uh, to communicate. He was going to put this on the sheriff department's website um, so that people can read it. So, so we kind of split up and we did some of these. And then we got, some, we got some picks back. You can flash through those a little bit. I wanted to see. There were a couple of picks that came back from, they, they started tagging us. Um, yeah, so they started tagging us on some of their Facebook posts. Lake Haven Church. So that gave them a free meal to firehouse serves. Isn't that cool? So, so that we, we were able to give them a, a free meal. So it was a sandwich and a, nothing. It's just a small token of appreciation. And then the verbiage over there said, look, we really know that if you don't get to do your task, that evil can reign unchecked. And that's true. Evil can reign unchecked. Thank God for people in law enforcement. We appreciate everybody. If you are in law enforcement, we so appreciate you. You know, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no. Thank you for partnering with us. We, we, just, we, just, we just love it. We just love our, our guys that are prepared to go and stand in the, in the gap for us and serve and protect us. So, um, as you know, we've been talking for a couple of weeks about critical factors, and, and today is the third part. 
critical factors. Not everything is as important as another thing. And, 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 and I base this because as the 80-20 rule in the world, I think they've formulated, they've, they've cottoned on to this, this godly principle, and they call it the 80-20 rule. Or back in the 1800s, uh, an Italian by the name of Pareto called, and it was called the Pareto Principle, and he said that. He said that 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. Generally, that you, you can identify, if you can identify the critical things, the 20%, the one fifth of the things that you stay busy with actually give you 80% of the results. And, and that's a massively wise principle because you can spin your wheels with the other four fifths and get very little done. I know I've had some days um, at the office where I feel like I come home and I don't feel like I got a whole lot done. And maybe it's just me. But, but otherwise, you can, you can, if you learn to identify what are the important things, one-fifth of the things typically give you 80% of the results. And that just seems to work in the world. And, and, and um, a scripture I pulled out was Matthew 23, verse 23 and 24, where Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and, and it says they're faithfulness, but the actual Greek word is just faith, pistis. It's just faith, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Jesus was saying here, listen guys, there are bigger fish to fry. There are camels out there. Don't worry about so much about straining out the gnats. Yes, the gnats can get, we can get to the gnats, but how about let's deal with the camels first. Let's make a bigger deal of the camels than of the gnats. And there, that is a principle that we see. So we've been talking about, and, there, and, and, and by and large here at, at Lake Haven, we do talk about the big things. We do talk about the big things. Last year, we did a grow series, and then we went into a prayer series. And, and there, there are, I, I don't think we spin our wheels with a lot of small stuff. But, but in the principle of where we're building towards, I believe, I believe that there, there are, in this dime particularly, in this day that we find ourselves, I don't know how close we are to Jesus' coming back. Quite honestly, I don't. But I have a sense that we're near an end and we have got a critical part to play. We have a functional critical part to play. And this time of functioning in church and just spinning our wheels and not really getting to the heart of things, we need to stop. And we need to be busy with those things that we need to be busy about, right? So uh, we spoke about in, in the first week that how about God is good. And we, we pulled it out from Psalm 34, how taste and see that God is good. Because if we don't understand the goodness of God, if we don't understand that God is good to the evil and the unthankful, we have, the church by and large has adopted a message where they think that God is going to kill the bad people and he's going to bless the good people. If you believe that, then you are trapped in pre-cross thinking. And it's rife throughout the body of Christ. Because if you know, and you've been through communion here, and we teach on communion, Jesus paid the price for every sin. It's right through the New Testament, and I teach that a lot. The sin of the world was paid. God, here, in, and I pulled this out in Luke chapter 6, remember? This was two weeks ago. Luke chapter 6, verse, um, and I'm going to pull it down, verse 35. And he says, love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And be merciful then, even as your Father is merciful. So that's Luke 6, verse 35. God is telling us, and, and I, I used to read that so many times, love your enemies. And I thought, man, I've got to do that. I've got to, that's impossible. You can't love your enemy from you. But you've got, do you understand that God is not a hypocrite? You, you get it, right? God doesn't say, you've got to do it, but I don't get to do that. I get to kill my enemies. You've got to love yours. And Jesus is teaching that in Luke 6. And he says, love your enemies, be good and kind, because this is how your father is. He loves his. He causes his reign. He loves. He is kind to the evil, the ungrateful, and the unthankful. Amen. And there's a reason why 
that knowledge is not very common in the body of Christ. And I'm going to be teaching on this in bits and pieces. The Lord's been working in my heart for a while, and, and some of this is going to come out in the next month or so. So you're going to hear pieces of this every Sunday because there is a very distinct reason we need to be understanding. And this whole, this whole critical factors series is just a build-up. It's just a build-up to what I believe because that knowledge is not common. And you know what's resulted in the body of Christ? We have mean Christians that are mean to evil people because they feel they've got every right to be evil to the evil and mean to evil people. And Jesus wasn't that way. He didn't teach that way. We do not have the right to be mean. We feel because we have, we have become like the God some people believe in who is mean, critical, judgmental towards evil people. But because we have not served a God that loves sinners, we've, we've, we've been blind to scriptures. And there's a reason. There's a reason we can't swallow those scriptures that are in the Bible. There's a reason we can't even see them. I'm talking about generally, not those people who came today. Everybody here, I'm sure. There's, there's, there's a reason we can't see those scriptures. There is a reason. Jesus taught, it, it was a critical factor. It was the critical parable that Jesus said, if you don't get this parable, you don't get nothing. You're not going to understand anything. Jesus said that. Anyhow, but, but if we, in, in Proverbs 16, 6, in the Amplified Version, it says this. It says, by mercy and chesed, which is that beautiful Hebrew word which I've studied over here a number of times. It's loving kindness, tender mercies. It's got all, it's got all these words. By mercy and loving kindness and truth, not superficial ritual, wickedness is cleansed from the heart. And by the fear of the Lord, one avoids evil. You see, how is wickedness cleansed from somebody's heart? By mercy and loving kindness. It's the goodness and kindness we've said many times, Romans 2, 4. It's the goodness and kindness of God that leads somebody to repentance. So when God shows mercy and loving kindness and goodness, and kind, He purges iniquity from the heart. Iniquity is the propensity towards evil. It's the propensity to do evil. And God, so God's going to get you. If God's going to get you or somebody at all, He's going to get them with His goodness. But I know, I know that people are going to say, God's going to get that person. God's going to get him. I can't wait. God's going to smack him like a bug. No, He's not. If He was going to smack anybody like a bug, it probably would have been me. Or you. <laughs> no. No, God's not spraying. Jesus, there was a reason Jesus, that's why it's called atonement. It's the reason why it's called redemption. It's a reason why 1 John 4 says, this is how God manifested his love toward us in this atonement. There was a the reason that Jesus said that judgment was going to be poured out on him. Did you know that Jesus judged the world? The, world, the, judge, the sin of the world was judged in Jesus on the cross. Does that, and again, if you've heard me teach this at any length, and I go into it in the foundation series, in our growth series at length, but it's a powerful, powerful truth. It is a critical, critical factor. Critical factor. In fact, the, the reason why it was called good news, why it was called the gospel, that God isn't going to judge them. Isaiah foresaw it in Isaiah chapter 53, this is not in my notes, so forgive me, but it's like he goes into Isaiah 53 and he says, who's going to believe this message? Who's going to believe this message? Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 54. He talks about the covenant of peace. He talks about he who's going to take away sin. God took him. He was going to take the punishment that brought us peace. All of these things, etc. Sorry, that's just the passion of mine about the gospel. So that we see who is going to believe it and, and lay hold of this absolute critical factor. And then last week, the, the, the understanding is, is, is church. The, the church as, at large, the local church has been attacked. The understanding of why the local church. Now, all of you again, here, you're sitting in local church and you're online. Yes, you, I understand with this whole thing, you, you, you're, you're joining with us. But the, the point of the local church, the point of the church so is so that 
we can get together. We can fellowship with one another. And it's a critical to understand that there is a, such a thing as a, local, as a healthy church and what that healthy, uh, sorry, a, a, a healthy relationship with a local church. There is such a thing. There is no, well, uh, there is this general um, oh, body of Christ thing and I, I can just watch stuff online and just listen to messages and that's the same. No, it's not. Not according to the Bible. You can't. And, 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 and so indulge me because I, I, I got into some of that and I wanted to just grow into that. I wanted to unpack that a little bit more so that we have a, a, we have an, a sort of a, an understanding again why we did it. And we, we discussed a little bit of koinonia and we, we, what koinonia is. And koinonia literally means if you, you go and study it at length, we're supposed to have fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and with one another. Koinonia is this, 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 growth, this, this sharing again, and I, and I went into this, uh, this communion with one another, this need for one another. And, and um, in, I forget, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, as I said, oh no, I don't want to jump into 4 yet. Let me just go, let me just stay out here. In, I'm going to zoom out and zoom in a little bit, okay? So that's just my tendency. I want to take a good look at something, I step back. And I want to see a little bit of an overview. Now, many of you know 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, right? Oh, wow, the love chapter. It's God's love. That's wonderful. But do you know that that is inserted right in the middle of a, of, of a teaching? It is not a standalone scripture. It's not a standalone chapter. Man added chapters and verses in like the 1400s, 1500s. They were only, chapter and verse were only added to the Bible in the last 600 years or so. And that was just so that people could find stuff. It's part of a, a, a discourse of, of chapter, uh, first chapter 12, 13, and 14 that you really should sit down. I'm saying I'm zoomed out, right? If you sit down and you read chapter 12, 13, and 14 in one sitting, and we've done this in overflow, because he starts off teaching the Corinthian church, which was a very worldly church, by the way. Very worldly church. And they had gifts and operation and stuff happening. They also had some crazy, worldly, fleshly stuff happening inside the church. And Paul is writing to the church in Corinth by the Spirit of God as he's leading them. And he says, listen, and he starts in chapter 12. He says, listen, guys, about the spiritual stuff, I don't want you to be ignorant. And then like Pastor Greg said last year, I'm going to start teaching you. I'm going to start de-ignorantizing you, right? He's going to start teaching them about the spiritual stuff. And so he goes and tells them what the gifts are and how they should be operating with each other. And then he goes into, into, into these scriptures. So I'm going to pull out just a couple of scriptures. So um, in 12 verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Um, ESV version, for the common ver good. Verse 27 of the same chapter. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Verse 14, verse 1, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who speaks prophesies builds up the church. Verse, um, sorry, that was 4. Did I give it? Yes, thank you, Tracy. Um, first Corinthians, uh, then chapter, uh, verse 19, nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Don't be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. And then in 26, what then, brothers? When you come together, listen to this. When you come together, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. Let all be done for the building up. And so when you, when you see this in context, you see that, listen, guys, we are, this, is a, this is a group teaching about what church could look like. One of you brings this, he starts, these are the gifts and how they operate. They are for the common good. This is how the, each person adds something. It, it's got to be done in love. It's got to be, it goes into 13. Listen, guys, I, I, when it comes to all this, this woo-woo stuff, be careful. He says, because if you're not doing it in love, you're not, it's not worth anything. You can be prophesying, you can have the faith to move mountains, but if you don't have it in love, you can do this and this, all these fancy gifts, but you don't do it in love, means nothing. He says, operate, he talks about faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And then he goes into 14, and, he's, and it, remember, no chapter, he says, now eagerly 
pursue the way of love. He says, but then also that you may prophesy, because prophesy, and then he talks about edifying. The whole chapter 14 is about building one another up. And when you're coming together, it's better with, there's tongues, but tongues build you up. Tongues are your charger. I don't know if you've ever felt flat, but right over here, he says, if you feel flat, charge yourself up with praying in the tongues, praying up with the Spirit. If you feel flat, he says, tongues build you up. He says, but he says, in the group, when you get together, prophecy is better because you can't do it. So, so he teaches these all, because remember, he's de-ignorantizing us about the spiritual stuff. You see, so this is a setting of the local church. And FYI, that doesn't happen on YouTube. So that's why God, when God placed it, we have overflow service. Because, yes, do we have words in the service? Absolutely, we have words in the service. We have a more, this is a more traditional church setting for, for a number of reasons. But we have words, and it's necessary for us to have words occasionally here in this message. To, and, and some of the words that come out on, on overflow service, we bring out on, 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 this, on, on this particular service too. But, but understand again that the purpose of the local church. Now, remember, I, read, I used Ephesians chapter 4 last week, and, 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 and it also says that this is the reason there's fivefold in the body of Christ, right? Evan there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and that they are to build us up. They're supposed to bring us to maturity, right? And then he says um, that in verse 13, um, sorry, yes, it is verse 13 um, of chap uh, Ephesians chapter 4, um, yes, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by deceit and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. He's, he's saying, guys, when th there, there is a paradox we always need to understand. It's like, it really is kind of like a coin. If you don't see both sides of the apparent paradox, God's word doesn't contradict itself. You harmonize the scripture. It's because you don't say, oh, well, I'm fastidious. I'm stuck with this particular thing. I can only see it in this way. No, hold on a second. Breathe. Take a step back. Well, this is also true. Well, I don't understand this. Well, just wait. Pray. Seek wisdom, understanding. And then Sunday, it's kind of like those proverbial pictures. I, used to, I, I love those, 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 um, uh, those 3D stereoscopic big pictures with a whole bunch of dots or whatever the case is. You can just see dots, right, if you look at it, but look, look at it long enough in the right way, and suddenly, oh my gosh, dolphins leaping out of the wave or whatever it is. You see it. There is a depth to it. There is another dimension that you're seeing into it. The Word of God is very much like that. So with Jesus, do you, do you think that Jesus, this, 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 this scripture, let me just, Ephesians chapter 4 says, the reason God gave us these fivefold ministries to bring us to maturity. That we won't be children led around by every wind of doctrine, by the crafting and cunningness of men. But we're supposed to mature. We are supposed to mature. Now, the flip side of the coin is what we spoke about in, in the prayer series. The flip side of the coin is, have we been given everything for life and godliness? Absolutely. I have been given everything. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 goes and says that, that this is how we, we have been given. We have been given an inheritance. That inheritance is ours. We have been given all things in Christ. They are already ours. The flip side of that coin is, you've got to grow. Because even Second Peter says through our knowledge of Him. Talks about, we only participate in our inheritance through our knowledge. When we get knowledge, God doesn't say, oh, you just got some knowledge. Here you go. Here we go. I'm going to give it to you. No, you've had it all the time. There is nothing you can go to God and ask for that you haven't already got. You have been given past tense everything for life and godliness, but it is through the knowledge, and that is the process of maturing. So when Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God, with men, at least with men and God, yeah. Um, I, th I think that's Luke 2.52. He increased, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. 
Jesus had to grow. Paul had to grow. Even after he was saved, he didn't just suddenly, oh, I've got it all, and he started preaching. You study the book of Acts. They sent him out, and they, he, had, he was in, in Arabia for years and years and years and years and years. There is a process of maturity. And if we don't understand that growth is a critical factor, critical factor, because I used to have a friend, and you probably heard the same thing. It, 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 it circles around the body of Christ. It's like there's a lot of Christians going to church every Sunday, and they are like full-grown babies. All they want is milk. And that's not what the body of Christ is for. Should the body of Christ have a nursery? Yes, it should. Should people stay babies their whole life? No. But I cannot make you grow. I, I, I struggle to make me grow. And I say struggle because it is a challenge. There is decisions that I have to be prepared to commit to. I have to assign time and intentionality and priority. My TIP thing, remember. I've got to assign the time. I've got to be intentional about it. I've got to make a priority. Coming to church here on a Sunday is only a piece of that. But the growth process, the maturing, maturing process is a, is a process. And, and we endeavor as a local church to have opportunities to do that through discipleship groups and through life groups and through relationships. That, that is helping us to grow. But I can tell you what, if you don't have the heart to grow, I'm just being frank, you can go to all of that and it means nothing. You can come to that, you can come to every service for your whole life and you can be a baby Christian because you have never heard, Jesus said it that way, he said you've got to take the word of God and you've got to apply it. You've got to put it into practice. And if you haven't been given the tools or even understood the tools on how to put it into practice, then you will just stay a baby. And you'll say, and you go get ticked off at God. You being mad at God? I know I was mad at God. I was working a crusade, and I long story, I'd have to literally tell you over an hour. But the long, 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 long story was I was at a crusade in very, very far western Zambia. And I'd worked really, 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 really hard to get to that crusade. And it rained. After weeks of working, it rained for most of the crusade. And I thought, that's okay. I'm going to get my faith muscles out. And I'm going to stop the rain. Me and our evangelist and all that powerful thing. And, and guess what? It didn't stop. Not one of those stories, sorry. You thought I was going to say, oh, my powerful faith got there. No, it didn't. So everything I taught, because I've been to Bible school. I know everything. <laughs> Nothing you can teach me. I've been to Bible school. I've got all the details. That's what I thought. And so when it didn't work the way I was taught it to work, I got ticked off at God. I was like... James chapter 4, right? It's like, you said, Lord, that a righteous man can just have faith of Elijah and he can just switch to I'm righteous. I know I'm righteous. And I can't believe that we can come so far and do all this. I think I was mad at God for three years. I didn't like walk away from him. But my heart, my, my relationship with God was, I was ticked off. I, and if you heard the story, you would understand why. Because it's a long story and it's pretty radical. I could tell you lots of things that happened on that, on that story. But I can also tell you that if I zoomed out far enough and looked back at that situation, rain had little to do with it. Rain had little to do with it. I just thought, I just thought it had to be work out the way I thought it had to work out because I knew everything. It was supposed to work that way. Not only was I a good Bible school student, I'd been to mission school and lived in mission school and I'd done this and done that the flower and saw that it, you know, there's complexity in the human eye and in a flower. He revealed himself through the human fly. I mean flower. Fly. <laughs> flower. <laughs> mm, flies, yeah. But God, God revealed his character and nature through, through nature, his personality. He is complex, but he's also, a, he is sarcastic. I love his sarcasm. 
you know that he can be very sarcastic, right? If you've ever read those last few chapters of Job, it's funny. I laugh at it every time I go back to it. I want a, I want a good giggle. I've got to go and say, he's like, oh, you know everything, don't you? Well, let's talk about this. You know, he gets super sarcastic with Job. It's very funny. Anyhow. Anyhow. But, but the point is that, that growth is, growth is a, a process. So I'm going to go through a couple of scriptures here. Romans 1 verse 17. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Now this, if you, if you know me, this Romans 1, 16 and 17 and, and even 18 are core scriptures to me. Because in, in verse 16 he says, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the good news, the gospel, the whole thing. He says, because it, the gospel, is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes. And that verse I have mined and still blows me away today because if you're not experiencing soteria in all its shape it's soteria sozo the wholeness of God the fullness of God the healing of God all of that is encapsulated in the word salvation and he says I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is it is it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes if you get the gospel, I'm telling you, if you get the gospel more and more persuaded in your heart and grounded, it is like the skeleton, golden skeleton key that opens different doors in your heart. It doesn't change. You don't need different keys. It's just understanding that key and that we're going to be expounding out in the next month or so. But it's just like there are, there, is, there are simple things, critical things that as you get them in your heart, they just unlock doors. You don't have to go and get a pill for for this and another thing for that and a different thing for that and a different thing you just need the gospel and I know that sounds overly simplistic but God made it simple enough for kids and you can have it all if we can just work through these things yes. but he goes in verse 17 and he says from faith to faith he uses this word from faith to faith in 2 Corinthians 3 18 he says we all and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being, post, pre, present tense, right? We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From one degree of glory to another. So you see progression here, right? From faith to faith. From one degree of the glory to another degree. How about Philippians 3, uh, verse 12? Here's Paul talking to the Philippians. He says, not that I've already obtained this, already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies ahead and straining toward, oh, sorry, what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That those of you who are mature think this way, if there was anything else otherwise, God will reveal to that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. He says, so basically he's saying, listen, don't forget what you've learned, but you've got to kind of leave this stuff and press on ahead. You've got to leave stuff behind and press on towards what is ahead. And, and, and so he talks about maturity there. And then, and then in verse, 1 Corinthians 3, he says this. He says, uh, verse 2, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Think about that. I fed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it. And even now, you are not ready, for you're still of the flesh. Now, he's talking to believers, right? You realize that. He is saying, you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. You're still seeing everything like the world is. You're still processing things like the world does. You still think like the world does. You, you're, you're saved, but you're not ready for some stuff. So I've just got to give you, I've just been giving you milk. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in a human way? So he talks about this, this growth process. Um, in 1 Corinthians 2, if you go back a chapter, it says, Yet among the mature, uh, first, sorry, 2 verse 6, he says, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So he, he says he's talking about, he, there is a wisdom that you can mine that he is talking about. And, 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 and guys, this obviously, this is what, what I'm talking about. As I said, we've zoomed out. This is, a, this is a journey. 
you, you don't arrive at a journey today or tomorrow. You, you will be on this growth journey if you will. If you will. You will be on this growth journey for the rest of your life. And at any stage, if you want to stop and say, I don't want to be on this growth journey, that's okay. You can be a baby Christian your whole life. I mean, I'm going to put it very frank. You can live on spiritual milk your whole life. God doesn't love you any less. He doesn't love you any less than he does Hitler or a child murderer. I know that's graphic. But love has never been deserved by us. We, we in this, this religious world, have made it like, oh, well, one day if you're good enough and you dot all your I's and cross all your T's, then you get more of the love of God. That's nonsense. You can't get more of the love of God. He loves because he loves. That's it. He is love. Amen. So, this, if you stay a baby Christian, if you stay where you're at, if you get interrupted because of anger like I did when I threw my toys out the cart, <laughs> all, it, all it does is it stops, it stops where you where you are. And then you don't understand. And, and then just, I mean, we all have kids, and that's the beauty of it. We can see ourselves in all of these processes. It just makes you snicker. Yes, that's exactly like I was to God. <laughs> whether you're stomping your feet or whether I only want candy. I want candy. I want candy. I want candy. No, you want to have your vegetables. I don't want my vegetables. I don't eat vegetables. I want candy. It's kind of like a lot of believers. There's a lot of similarities in, in where we can stay where we are to, or we can decide to grow. Or we can decide to grow. And I'm telling you, every stage is fun. Every stage has challenges. Every stage, no matter where you are, you will always have something to strive toward. You will always have something to leave behind. But as you grow, you, learn, you take the lessons with you, right? You grow with those lessons and you build more. I can tell you, I remember as a young Christian, as a really, really young Christian, reading things that left me like, I don't get this, God help me. And then years and years and years and years and years, years later, I, oh wow, I remember that. I remembered that thinking and that feeling. And then I had to observe, wow, God, you had to take me on a massive journey for that, to for me to, to grasp that. Why? Because that understanding was built on this, these foundations and that understanding and that understanding and that, that perspective there. And it's like, wow, God, manifold, 3D, wow. I see it now. Thank you. Kachink, it's like that piece of Lego fits in. Blink. Okay. Now I get it. But if I stopped 14 years ago and said, I don't understand this. God's a liar. He's a liar. Because it doesn't work the way I think it should. You see, when we, that's why we have to be so persuaded of God's perspective. And God's faithfulness and his goodness. And we know that he is not a liar. And that he, we know these foundations. Because then we can just say, yeah, I don't get it, but I know him. I don't get it right now, but I know him. And Lord, I do want to understand it. Or you can just say, I don't want to understand it. I'm just going to come to church every Sunday. And when things happen, I'm going to say, oh, God is in control. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, most of the body of Christ in America is there. By far. By far. Because we have taught that people, that you come into a church and you sit in chairs and you punch the clock and you go home and you rate the message or the music and then you carry on doing whatever the hell you want to. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud or was that my inner monologue? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, look, no excuse for that. <laughs> South Africa, we do use the word a little bit more lax, but it's like th there is, there, we, if we, 
we, if we are going to embrace a God who is pure and holy and true and he loves us and all these aspects of us, then, then we've got to take him all if we want to grow. We've got to take everything he gives. And I'm telling you, he is faithful to a fault. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. He cannot. Even in fact, when you study faith, what, whatever faith has been taught, faith has is, faith is been taught. It's, it's just God has got integrity. What he says is so. You just, it is. But if he, he said it, okay, God, you say it right there. I'm going to take that. And that's why Jesus said it was one of those foundational things. Mercy, faith, were two of those things Jesus said were critical. One of those critical, critical factors, right? So understanding, understand this, growth does take time. It takes a decision. It does take time, it takes intentionality. It's not going to happen automatically. Does, again, I'm going to say it out loud and clear, does God love you any less if you don't grow and you just get saved? No, he loves you the same. You just won't be playing much of a kingdom role. Maybe one day when we stand before the Lord and, and he says, what did you do with your life? And you can say, or you're going to give an account for your life. You're going to say, well, I enjoyed the Kardashians most of my life and here I am, I got saved. I can tell you all about whatever, you know. Or, or, or what? You can say, well, I made a lot of money and I've got five big homes and I was really liked by people. What is, what is, are, are we living a longer game? Are we, are we living to mature and actually have kingdom impact? When Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's saying we live kingdom first. Kingdom first. That's, that starts... That's when things added unto us and, and make sense because we live kingdom first. We don't live for our retirement first and then follow God. I'm not going to do God's will until I retire. Then I have a nest egg. Then I can say, okay, God, I'm ready. Right? If, you, if, if the Lord brings us in his love and he, and he showers and he does, you know that the foundation of what we, hear, we, we, we teach here is that God loves and he loves unconditionally. He does. That, that's who he is. The whole process is to know his love. But there is this growth that he invites us on. And you, we can grow as much or as little as we choose to grow. And Hebrews, you, I, I've gone through, I'm going to kind of finish off over here. Um, two, two things I want to do. Hebrews 5.12, for, um, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is, still, he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who, um, who have their powers of discernment, senses trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave uh, the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Do you see that? Remember, we've got to remove the chapter out of there. Chapter 6, verse 1. Leave the elementary doctrine. Leave the elementary doctrine. And I've taught this in the prayer series. We don't account for it. We don't keep visiting it. He says, let's leave the elementary doctrine from Christ and go on to maturity. There it's the word again. Not laying again a foundation and then he lays up what the foundations are. Repentance from dead works of faith toward God, of instruction about washings or baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgments. And all of those things we deal with in our, in our D group, in our, in our discipleship group, in our Foundation Grow series. He says, we've got, to, we've, got to get, we've got to get those things down, what they understand, so that we can grow and we can mature. Not keep visiting those things. We can grow through them. So this is the process of the Christian work, and, and you know, Christian walk, and you know what a sign of maturity is? Some people, I love Ed, who I used to work with for 10 years, this evangelist, and uh, man, he, he's got such a revelation of the love of God, it constantly blows me away, and, and, and he's, you know, and he used to say this, he said, you know, when you have this idea, well, somebody's a really mature Christian, they can just stand up and do miracles. Do you know that miracles are not a sign of maturity? Do you know that, right? The Corinthians church was a fleshly church and they had miracles. 
Miracles are not a sign of maturity. But 1 John 4 says what a sign of maturity is. He said, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has, listen to this, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, understand this. This is not talking about, I don't want to be on that journey, but this is what it's going to take. That is a critical understanding. Because at least if you understand that, then when things, you don't understand something you read or things don't work the way you think it should, then you can look at yourself and say, it's okay, God is still good. Because you know that. He is not going to change. He's never going to change towards you. You cannot earn his love. You cannot be more loved than you are right now. Amen. That's good news. That is good news. But if you want to press on to lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of you, there is work to be done. There is a growing process. There is a place of not just and, and I'll get into that in the future, but there is not a place of just information, but learning what to do with that information. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you love us intimately. Intimately. There is not one person here or in the city limits or in the world that you don't love with a complete, whole, and unconditional love. And so, Lord, we start there. We, we know that you love us. We receive that love. If you have come in the building, maybe somebody brought you today. Maybe it's a friend or whatever, and you've, you've never heard how much God loves you. Today is a day where you can just receive what he has for you. Receive that love. You, you, can, end, you can be made a child of God when you receive. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the, from the dead and confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You will be saved. Your eternal salvation, the most important thing of all, is secure. And that is the most important decision. Father, for the rest of us, Lord, we, in this time of reflection, Holy Spirit, I know that you're speaking to us in all kinds of levels and places in our personal journey. Father, I thank you that this is not a message of condemnation. It's a message of absolute reality. Thank you, Father, that you love us. That there is no condemnation for any single person in Christ. No condemnation. And Lord, I, well, let me just put it this way. Right now in your heart, in this moment just make that decision what journey are you on what is God calling you to what steps will you take because that's between you and him